The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Family Matters with your host, Dr. Virginia Collin. In this program, we will explore some of the challenges families face and the solutions they create in today's world, where marriage, parenting, and family forms are not what they once were. Now, here is Dr. Virginia Collin. Welcome to Family Matters. My guest today is Sharon Zarazny, and we will be talking about a difficult topic, abuse in marriage and in divorce. After getting through a devastating divorce, Sharon founded Brilliant Exits LLC to help individuals, couples, and families through the complexities of getting unmarried. She's a certified life coach, a speaker, and a published author. She offers individual coaching, group coaching, and educational programs. Her website, brilliantexits.com, provides links to numerous excellent free resources. Sharon has been featured in the Washington Post magazine, and her articles have appeared in a variety of media. As a Huffington Post blogger, she has written about upscale abuse, sharing her insights from her own experience and gathering other people's stories. Ms. Rosny is on the board of directors of the Weitzman Center, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to meeting the needs of individuals dealing with domestic abuse and high-conflict divorce. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Virginia. Um, it's my pleasure to be on your show, especially given all the good work you do helping families getting through separation and divorce and co-parenting. So thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And I'm not sure where we want to start. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about the Weitzman Center? Sure. Um, it's actually, uh, it's a nonprofit organization that um, my first introduction to was through a client of mine who was dealing with an abusive marriage. Um, and she had stumbled upon the book titled Not to People Like Us, um, and it discussed of the phenomena, it was actually the first book to do such, um, of what's called upscale abuse, which basically means um, abuse that happens in families where it's generally the husband um, has either, you know, a very wealthy income, uh, status in the community, um, well-educated, they might be a minister, they might be a physician, um, a politician, um, and they're viewed by the community with great respect, um, sort of if you look to Bill Cosby, um, who presents as a good father, a good man, a good individual, who cares about his family. Um, and then, however, behind closed doors, what is happening in the family life is that this very same ind- respected individual is abusing his spouse. Um, and it can take any matter of forms. Um 
from emotional abuse to physical abuse, punching, to um, financial abuse. Um, there was a story um, about uh, the wife of a physician, who's, and he required her to sleep in the garage at night, basically. Meanwhile, this, she had a beautiful home, um, but she wasn't given access to it. And the community at large would never have believed that that, that was true. So domestic violence among this segment of the population is, is, is different in the sense that the perpetrator of abuse has an extra tool to use, um, the respect and money. And they use that to use the courts to cause a lot of, of problems um, and punishing ways afterwards. Um, abuse in any family um, at you know, no matter what the income or educational level um, is, is a very horrible thing. Um, unfortunately, thanks to the work of a lot of domestic violence um, and, you know, advocates, it's come out of the closet and much has been done. We know about the shelters that exist. Um, we know it's been made a lot easier for the victim to get a restraining order. Um, and there is even help for them um, legally, um, pro bono, while they're getting that restraining order. But in both cases, um, despite what your economic status is, the help exists right now up to the point of leaving an abusive situation. Um, but once it comes to actually filing for a divorce or dealing with the courts on that level, th- there really is not support and there is not help out there for this population. So one of the Weitzman Center's um, missions is educating lawyers, judges, social workers, doctors about um, domestic violence in total, but also about this particular population. Does the Weitzman Center really focus on the upscale abuse cases, or does, is it interested in helping everybody who's dealing with domestic abuse? Um its primary focus, it was founded by Susan Weitzman, who wrote the book, Not to People Like Us. And in that, it was part of her doctoral dissertation. With her research, she discovered that this small segment was being treated very differently, and it was it's very underserved. There just aren't the resources out there for them. So the Weitzman Center, um, their mission is really to help um, focus on helping that part of the population and bringing this to light for the public. So I, it, okay. it, it's a different, um, it's a different category and, and that is what they try to do. Um, okay. And it's clearly the public. Um, another member on the board was instrumental in passing some legislation in Illinois to, um, have the court start looking at the excessive um, abusive legal procedures that people in this category often are victims of. Okay, so I think it might be helpful to really hone in on a definition of abuse. My understanding is that it's about power and control. It's not necessarily physical violence. As you mentioned, sometimes it's financial abuse mm-hmm. of a spouse. Am I on track there? Totally on track. And 
um, as more and more research has been done, you're absolutely right. The issue is one partner, and generally it's it's the man, but it can be either way. Um, wants to, he has such a great need for power and control and dominance that they use a variety of tools to accomplish that. Um, it, it, it's just what makes them operate. And you've mentioned the particular difficulties that uh, domestic abuse victims from upscale families face, the, the, in addition to all the difficulties that all victims of domestic abuse face, there's the problem of it's hard to get people to believe you. Exactly. Like when the Bill Cosby, um, the first few women who came forward in the last few months, um, people were like, well, you know, it happened a long time ago and they didn't report it. What does this woman want? Does she want money? Does she want fame? Does she want to write a book and go on a speaking circuit? They look for ulterior motives because Society still has a hard time believing um, that that someone could really do these things. You have written in the past sometimes about your own experience as, I think, a doctor's wife? Exactly. Would you like to say anything about that to make this picture a little more vivid for the people listening? Sure. Um, for many women who experience um, abuse at home, it, it's a very difficult topic to talk about. And um, even though they don't cause the behavior, I still feel a lot of shame about what's going on. So for me, it was a very, very difficult thing to tell anybody I was in an abusive situation um, because, you know, most of us want to create the perfect family, the dream home, and, and a good life for our family. And to admit that that is not going on is very difficult. Um, and the first time in my case that I had to call the police, um, I asked them if they please would come in, not in a police car and with no sirens on, um, because I was embarrassed. Um, and a lot of women, no matter you know what their situation is, um, don't want to call the police when there's a violent episode at home because the same reason they feel embarrassed. And, but it is a very, very, if you, if anyone is in that situation, it is a very important thing to do because it establishes a record of what is going on in the home and it makes it much easier for you when you need to leave. So anyhow, in my instance, there was the abuse. Um, there were other factors too. Um, and it was difficult as for many women when you make the decision to leave. It's a very difficult decision because number one, especially in my case, I'm leading a lifestyle that gave certain privileges to my children. So that was difficult. Um, it also is very scary to leave the relationship because you kind of can judge what your spouse, you know, when they're getting more irritable, more volatile, and when things are just going to get far more difficult. And to press their buttons is a scary thing. To leave 
is a very scary thing. So um, a lot of people wonder, why do people stay in these relationships? Well, they stay because it's scary to leave. Um, and so I did make it through that piece. I did leave. Um, and my children and I went and stayed at a hotel for an evening when papers were being filed for the divorce. And um, one of the things, the hard lessons for me to learn was, at first, I felt some protection from the legal system and from the courts. Um, but that very quickly I learned that because my husband has the income to hire, he hired not one but two attorneys to fight. He hired many experts. He dragged the whole procedure on for five years, basically. Um, it became a, a different kind of nightmare. Um, again, like in the first articles that came out about Bill Cosby, Bill Cosby's attorneys um, were aggressively attacking um, the women who were coming forward. And that's what the courts do. It's very adversarial, and people tend to hire attorneys who are similar to them. And if you're dealing with a person who has a, you know, the personality that they win at all costs, they're going to hire a lawyer who's going to try to win at all costs. So, I did learn um, very, unfortunately, just how difficult it is to get out. Often, no matter what, your again, your economic situation is, spouses abuse personality because they need power and control. They need their spouse to dominate. They need to dominate someone, and it's generally their spouse. So if their spouse decides, you know, gets up the strength and usually takes seven or eight times before they really are able to follow through they get up the strength to leave, that is devastating to the abuser because he needs a target, and that's been his target. Um, so because the abuser feels so threatened by losing their spouse, they make a lot of threats. It's very common that they say, I will, you know, I will fight you to the end to have the children. I won't give you a penny. I'll make sure you end up with no money. I will, you know, call your place of employment and say disparaging things about you. They launch a real character assault. And sometimes they succeed at that. And sometimes they succeed at twisting things good enough that the public um, sees the victim um, more as the abuser. Um, And this particularly happens, it happens a lot when um, there's domestic violence in the home and a woman will call the police, the police will arrive, and the abuser will twist things and convince the police that the other person was probably at fault. So it's it's a very difficult situation. Dealing with your abuser is difficult, but then when they have the money, the resources, and the means to hire an attorney who has the same traits to go after the spouse, the court battle becomes another form of re-victimizing um, the, pers- the spouse who's been abused. That's really frightening. Do you it's have any advice? It happens, it happens a lot, sadly. I, a couple years ago, wrote a post about, as you mentioned earlier, my, my experience in upscale abuse, and I received close to 900 comments on that. And then additionally, I received private emails 
um, from people who were experiencing this or who knew people in their communities who were going through this. Um, it happens. It's out there. And when it does happen, people don't know where to turn. It, it's a really difficult place to be. So the Weitzman Center is one place people could turn to look for some help. But you're saying that really there are not yet enough resources to sustain a victim of abuse through the entire legal process of getting divorced. Through the legal process, I would say that's the case, yes. I mean, there is now, um, you can call a domestic violence shelter. You can call, there are 800 numbers you can call for the National Domestic Violence Hotline. You can get help that way, and family members can call if they're worried about, you know, their daughter who might be in an abusive situation. Those tools are there to get information about how to help the victim, um, about why the victim is not able to leave and get out. Um, and there are shelters where victims can go. So that is good. And while you're at the shelter, there are support groups. Um, if you need help retooling to find a job, there is some, that, is, that is offered. So that is there in place, but it kind of stops there. Once, and, and I think that's really sad because it takes a lot of work and a lot of courage for a woman or a man, if it should be a man, to actually take these steps to get out. They get the support up to a point, and then when it comes to actually filing for a divorce and going through that process, going through dealing with custody issues, um, there isn't anything there. If you don't have the money, um, there really is no place to turn. You mentioned 900 comments in response to an article about upscale abuse. Correct. Is Were the comments mostly from people saying, yeah, me too, me too? Thank it you for a giving variety, us a voice. Uh, combination. Some, a, a number of them were that. A number of them were family members who were talking about what they had seen. And then another big uh, element was, you know, uh, what is your problem? You know, because I was describing, I had written this post after I'd had, just so happened, three clients pretty much in a row who were well-educated, accomplished, beautiful women who, who had come to me in an abusive situation and just feeling that they were worthless, basically. And I was writing about how difficult it is for this segment to face up to the abuse and face and, and to leave. Um, and so people were responding to the fact that so, so if they, they had money and they had a nice house, why should we care about them? Um, it, you know, it, it's harder for someone who doesn't have that. Well, it's hard no matter where you're at, um, to, to go through this. So people took, had a problem with that because I think they, what happens if, when there are court battles or you're going through the legal system, it's very, very expensive. Um, and if people don't have the money to keep the battle going, it stops. And so if the family does not have a lot of money to put into it or if they're wise enough to want to keep that money for their family, for their children, 
they don't let their emotions control it and they don't drive the train that way. However, when one party has access to that money, they use it as another abusive tool and they just keep it going until their partner runs out of money. So it was, you know, hard for people to grasp the fact that this is an abusive weapon and it can devastate somebody and it devastates entire families. There are families who have been impoverished thanks to this. Um, and it's, it, but again, it's hard for the public to understand that a lot of, you know, sometimes. Yeah, that's a real challenge. We're going exactly. to go to break now, and we'll be back talking more with Sharon Zrosny, who is at BrilliantExits.com, after the break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin, 
Today I'm talking with Sharon Zorosny, the founder of Brilliant Exits LLC, which is an organization that helps individuals, couples, and families through the complexities of getting unmarried. Before the break, we were talking some about the difficulties of getting out of a marriage when one partner is abusive and the particular set of difficulties that goes with being married to someone who is wealthy and has a beautiful home that you live in or has a lot of status in the community that makes it hard for people to believe that behind closed doors this person is horrible. I wanted to ask you, Sharon, do you have advice for women or for men who are in this kind of situation? They're, they've they've uh, gotten past the denial and acknowledged that they're in an abusive relationship and they need to get out. What advice would you give them? First of all, it, it, it would be helpful if they had support, if they... Uh, were in therapy so that they could get their feelings validated, that they would have someone to talk to who could, you know, help them walk through all of this. So support is crucial. Um, Secondly, if they've realized they do need to get out of the relationship, um, if you're leaving an abusive relationship, um, you need to be really smart about it. Um, What you need to do is you need to gather before you leave. You want to take some time where you're putting aside some money so that you have money for a hotel room, you have money to feed your children, you have the money you need to survive. Um, You want to collect all your documents, like important documents, like make copies of your marriage license. Um, The the, uh, If you have any, like, your house, your mortgage, um, get a snapshot of your finances and accounts. Um, you want to get, collect your passport, and if you have children, your children's passports, um, and your and it says your marriage license, um, documents that are, are important. Um, you want to collect all of that, maybe get a safety deposit box, or, or keep it at um, somebody's home, um, where your spouse won't have access to it. Um, so you want to gather all these materials, and um, and then you want to also figure out, um, you want to have a plan, basically. You want to know whether or not you're planning to leave immediately in case there is an abusive and your life is threatened or your children's life is threatened. You want to have a plan as to what would be a safe place for you to go. Um, and you want to determine that place and you want to have contact with the person you would go. If it's a friend's house, to say, look, if I'm in danger, if I'm in trouble, may I call you? Will you let me or let my kids come? No questions asked. You want to have that. Um, since I mentioned children, uh, one thing I did is my kids were scared and worried when something happens to you, Mom. What are we going to do? So I, you know, I said, well, look, you know, here's, here's your grandma and your grandfather's phone number. Call them. Um, and there was a friend's number who I gave them. And I said, you can call them. They will help you. You want to give your child a tool. Having some tools are really important and it's empowering. And my kids had that. They knew if something happened, 
there was somebody they could go to if they if I was not able to help them. So you want to set this up in place. Um, now, if you know if you're getting gathering all your stuff because you are going to leave, you're going to separate and leave the marriage. Um, you've got time, and you do that. You also it would be wise to go and talk to an attorney to hire them get a consult and to find an attorney who it deals with there are attorneys who are who deal with this particular uh, group they deal with domestic violence client they have domestic violence clients they deal with custody issues you want to go and have a visit with them maybe hire them for an hour before you go you want to write down the list of your questions so that you keep the meeting on target because you're going to be paying for their time Basically, what you want to ask the attorney is, what do I, if I need to leave, what do I need to do to protect myself legally so that I don't have to worry about my spouse making this an issue with the courts? So you want to find out, how do I leave? and um, What do I take? What do I say? What do I do? Because basically, you want to be certain that you don't get accused of something like abandonment which is really not a big deal. I've heard from the attorneys that I know these days. But when you have a spouse who's looking for something to come after you with, these are things you want to, you want to think about. So, again, going back, you're collecting all this information. You're putting it all together. You have it in a safe place. And you want to act quickly when you decide to separate. You found out from your attorney what legally you need to do to protect yourself. And then you do... When you decide, okay, I'm leaving on Saturday, you do all of these things quickly. If you're going to take, you're legally, the laws are different in every state. Divorce is governed by the states. Um, but in most instances, you're entitled to take half of, you're entitled to half of the marital funds. So you can go in and take half of the bank account. Um, and you, you do that just before you're leaving. You don't do it in advance because if you take the money out and you have somebody who goes into a rage, your spouse, that puts you and your kids in danger. So you want to be careful about that. Um, so you, you have a plan where you've collected your documents, you know where you're going, you know when you're leaving, and you've made it as safe for yourself as possible. Um, backtracking a bit, when you talk with the attorney, Number one, if you need to leave and you have children, you never want to leave your children behind because your partner can say, well, your, your Honor, uh, she, she doesn't care about the kids. She wouldn't have left them. You don't want to do that. There are instances where you your life is in danger and you've just got to leave. However, unless that's the case, you make sure you take your kids. So to protect yourself, you want to ask the attorney you're meeting with, what do I do? so that I don't get accused of kidnapping. Um, what do I need to know here? So basically, you're just you're getting from the attorney, you know, what you've got to do to protect yourself and what you need to put into your plan. So you've got your plan, you've got your information, you leave, and, you, and if you can do it in, in this way, you're less likely to give your spouse something to come after you about, you know, down the road. Um, there is a um, the national women the women's 
law organization has, and I have a link to it on my website, um, has a wonderful section about sort of laying a lot of these things out for you um, as a little bit of information on what to do when you're getting ready to leave. It talks about taking your children with you, and then it talks about what to do after you leave. Um, so that is a resource I, I highly recommend. And I know there are things um, on the, um, the Coalition um, Against Domestic Violence. They have things for you. National Coalition Against Domestic Violence um, to do. Also, um, if you have to leave and you haven't had time to consult with an attorney, this is one thing I did because I hadn't planned. I did need to flee with the kids and I hadn't planned on doing it. So I called the National Domestic Violence Hotline and said to them, what do I need to do to protect myself um, when I'm leaving? Because I need to leave. And they gave me some advice and talked me through it. So <clears throat> it's just, you know, the key is to have a plan and that will empower you and make you feel safer. And then to enact that plan and then to act quickly. And it's not to be devious. Um, it's just, it, it protects you and it gives less for, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but it gives your spouse who's going to be looking for things less to come after you with. I like your point about taking only half of what's in the bank account. So you can't be accused of taking more than your share, which proves you're a horrible person. Well, yes. Which won't work in your favor. That, when you take that money, it's very important to keep a good record of how you spend it. Um, because, again, if you have a vengeful spouse, they're going to say she stole the money. But if you can keep a log of what you spend the money on, you know, food, um, paying an attorney for a consult, shelter, that is, you, no one's going to come after you in court about that. Um, so it, it's just, it, and these things, you do them um, as a preventative measure so that, again, there's less that somebody can come at you with. Okay. You have, you have worked with, you have assisted many, many people getting out of awful relationships, getting unmarried, as you say. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering about the kids in some of these situations, because I've certainly heard of parents who were abusive towards their partners, but seemed to be good parents, good moms or good dads. Or even mm-hmm. if they weren't great yeah. moms or dads, the kids there were a lot of good components to their relationship with their kids. The kids wouldn't want to, might not want to leave and, you know, go to a safe place with the victim parent. Does it, have, have you seen that happen, that the kids maybe just wanted to stay with the abuser? That's a really hard question because it has several elements. Number one, sometimes the kids will want to stay because if, the parent, there's also this whole phenomena of, they call it the Disneyland dad. Uh, it could be the Disneyland mom, um, where, you know, the parent who wants to control uses, um, you know, showering their child with, with gifts and presents. And, and, you know, you can stay up all night if you want to, and you don't have to do your homework. So that can exist to make the child want to stay, and that's, that's difficult. Um, but... 
that's a really hard thing. And I think that's something you, it would be wise to talk with a therapist. Um, perhaps if you have your child, get your child into therapy and you can consult with the therapist and figure out what did you do if you need to leave. Um, but a lot of times, there, when I went through, when I had to leave my marriage, it was, it was quite a while ago. And at that point, the belief was someone can be a bad husband or a bad wife. That doesn't make them or mean they will be an abusive parent. However, more and more research has been done, and the courts, find, you know, have, in my view, have fortunately come to see oftentimes when there is an abusive parent, once the spouse is out of the picture, that parent functions by being abusive, and they may start to target a child. I have heard of instances with clients where the, you know, the abusive parent um, is. There are three children. The abusive parent treats two of them well. The other, not well at all. So um, it's a really hard question. There's no black and white to that. Um, but my experience and from people I've met with and, and my own children when we were going through it, I a lot of times people stay in these relationships to protect the children like because... They're afraid if, if they're not, they're used to running interference at home. Um, when the dad, you know, or the mom's going off the deep end in a temper tantrum, the calmer parent will step in and, and diffuse it and protect the children. And like I know in my case, it was, well, I won't be here to protect them and there will be visitation and custody. And I, my children aren't ready for that. And I'm not either. My kids were scared for a variety of reasons. So it's, it's, you know, I can't give you an answer. It's a really, it's, it's a hard thing. But going to professionals um, who understand the situation and the dynamics can be helpful. Are therapists able to help the kids in that situation? Yes. One of the things people don't understand, I think, about therapy is, a, a good therapist who, who this might be their niche, they know how to give the child some tools to use. They also know the parent who's going to see a therapist. Um, it, it's, they can give them tools. For example, um, in my situation, um, my kid's dad would fly into a rage in public, which really embarrassed them. If we go to a restaurant, I don't know, he didn't like the way the food looked. He would, you know get angry at the waiter and they demand to see the supervisor and then it would just escalate. It would get huge and very embarrassing. So my kids didn't want to go with their dad anywhere. And the therapist, it was a court-appointed family therapist, um, gave my daughter some tools to use. Um, examples were, he'd said to her, you know, you tell me your dad loves to eat. Well, what if you bake some brownies and you put brownies in your pocket and when your dad is getting angry at the waiter and then at the supervisor, you pull out the brownies and say, Dad, would you like a brownie? And so that, number one, empowered my daughter when she went to you know dinner. If this was going to happen, she had a plan for what she could do. Um, and it also threw her father off guard when it did happen. And so it, it de-escalated the whole thing. 
So that's, that's great. an example of a tool that can be given. And, and that is one of the things therapists are very, very helpful with. I love um, that story. Pardon? That's, I love that story. That's great. Yeah, another tool that um, the therapist gave uh, my kids was, look, make this into a science experiment. Pull yourself away from it and be an observer. And have maybe three things you'll do. If dad loses his temper, I'm going to, you know, skip. Or if dad loses his temper, I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And, and try those things and see what they work, if they work. And so if you do that and you, you give your kids tools like this, or you give, you know, someone you see is in an abusive situation, could use some help, these tools, it, it helps them have some control. And that helps them not feel this, as scared, and it can, you know, diffuse things. So, so that's it. why I think, you know, seeing a therapist is really important. And, and another thing that people don't understand is, you know, they worry, well, if I saw a therapist, and if my case goes to court, will a judge think badly of me? Absolutely not. Um, if anything, that will be a star on your side, because... Um, First of all, going through divorce for anybody is, is very difficult, and it is seen as a very mature, adult-like thing to get the help you need. That is far better than having an anger management issue and not getting help. So, again, therapy is, is a really, you know, it can be a very powerful tool. Okay, we need to go to break now. I will be back with Sharon Zarosny from BrilliantExits.com in a couple of minutes. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. No one can tell you how much money you'll have or when you'll see your children, right? Wrong. It happens every day in divorce court. Don't let it happen to you. When dealing with separation, divorce, co-parenting, or care of an elderly relative, there is a better way. Mediation. Save time, save money, and save your children. To learn more, visit the Academy of Professional Family Mediators at apfmnet.org. That's apfmnet.org. Most adults are able to make good decisions about how their families can move forward. They do not need to rely on courts to make such decisions, especially in cases of divorce. Far too many people suffer unnecessary anguish because they do not know what family mediators can do. We help people discuss problems constructively in a private, confidential setting. We help them stop fighting and stay out of court. To learn more about mediation and other family matters, visit ColinFamilyMediationGroup.com. Colin has one L and no S. Are you struggling with emotional, financial, and legal stress related to divorce? The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia by Virginia Collin and Rebecca Martin, teaches how to handle these processes in any state with special attention to Virginia's laws. This book can help you take care of yourself, get free legal advice, develop a good co-parenting plan, keep expenses down, and arrange a do-it-yourself divorce. 
The Guide to Low-Cost Divorce in Virginia is available from Amazon for just $4.99. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Family Matters. To reach Dr. Virginia Collin or today's guest, Please call into the program at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radio show at com. Now, back to Family Matters. Welcome back to Family Matters. I'm your host, Virginia Collin talking with Sharon Zorosny of BrilliantExits.com. Before the break, we were talking about what, what happens with the kids. How do the kids handle it? How do they feel about it? What will help them get through it when their parents are going separate ways, divorcing, coming out of what was an abusive marriage? What else did you want to say about that, Sharon? Well, one thing um, that struck me um, that I learned rather late, um, I went to a program on what's called, there is this thing called post-divorce abuse. Um, and what the speaker talked about was when, you know, children, we all know this as parents, children model their parents. They model the behavior they see in the home. So, the victim of an abusive situation when they get up the courage to leave and they leave with the kids and they establish their own home, guess what happens that they're not anticipating? The children start being abusive, treating the parent, let's call it the mom, the way the dad was treating the mom. Uh, If it's name-calling, if it's put-downs, if it's whatever. Um, And so the mother, let's call it the mother again, needs it, it was something I didn't know. Um, it, it's a very hard time, and they need to reestablish the hierarchy in the home that you know the mom's the parent and the children are the children, and um, and the proper ways to treat people and treat them with respect. Um, I learned this many years after I had lost the marital home with the kids, and. I wish I had known it earlier because when your kids are young, it's not as big a deal. But when these kids get used to being that way and they're in their teens and they're already rebelling, it can be very, very difficult. But the other really important thing I think to be said is, and I know I wanted to stay, I believed in happily ever after and you marry forever. And the therapist who was helping me and my family before I made my decision um, had said to me, you're not doing your children any favor staying. And I, I had a hard time accepting that because I knew, at least they thought, I knew one of them in particular loved her dad very, very much. Um, and so it was hard to accept that. But the thing is, what studies have shown is what hurts kids the most is being caught in the middle of conflict between their parents. So my kids... We're growing up in a home where dad would just fly off the handle and they're, you know, it was very scary for them to see. And that is, it's hard on kids because it, it, you know, the parents they look to for security, for safety. 
And so when they see this going on and they don't see it getting resolved, um, that is difficult. Um, so the bottom line with that is a child who has at least one peaceful place home to be in and the parents are divorced is in a much better position than a child who's staying with a family where there's all this high conflict going on. And the other thing is studies have shown that actually for children to see conflict is not a bad thing. But what is important is to see their parents um, sort of model a way to either agree to disagree and then be okay to each other afterwards. It may I take an hour or two to settle down, but things are okay. Or let's see, agree to disagree or um, resolve the conflict because nobody gets through life without conflict. It's at work, it's in relationships, it's with siblings, and it is very, it's very helpful to children to see conflict resolved in their home, and parents can model that. But you have an abuser, they don't see that, and they model the bad behavior. And statistics also say that boys witnessing abuse in the home where the dad is abusing the mom are more likely to be abusers of their spouse down the road. The other thing, and I saw this happen in my instances, if, especially when the kids are young, my daughter had witnessed me being hit by her dad, and she later reported to all the experts who were examining us that he had done that for her. Well, I don't know that he had. I think she internalized what went on because it was so scary for her. So having your kids see all of this going on is not a healthy thing at all. And there's a, a book out there that I found really helpful, which was um, called Caught in the Middle. And it talks about the harm that's done to kids when that goes on, when they're sort of a pawn between the parents. Um, and it's, it's worth a read if that's your situation. Because another thing that happens that is not good for children is when one or both of the parents turn to the child and turn them into the adult, the child cannot solve a parent's problems. And when they realize they can't solve it, then they feel like a failure and they carry that through life. So it's, you know, it's much better if, if things are really horrible at home, it's much better to, to get out and give your kids, you know, again, a calmer environment and something that they can model. One of the things that resulted from your divorce, which uh, you and I have talked privately, and it has always sounded to me as if one of your divorce was one of the worst I have ever heard of people having it's to up go there. through. I've learned. I thought all divorces were like that, but in doing brilliant exes, no, I learned no. No, no, no some, some divorces are much easier. But you've one of the things that you've done in response to that and what you learned from it is to create this organization, Brilliant Exits, LLC, where you help people with the complexities of getting unmarried. Tell me about that. Tell me yes. how you do the work and what it feels like to be doing that work. Well, the reason I did, when my long story is five years to get my divorce, then my ex paid child support and I have lifetime spousal support, well, he paid those things for just a couple of years. So I'd spent all this money, had a court document, and he just stopped paying. And there's, it's, there are no enforcement police with the courts, and it takes money to 
keep fighting for yourself and that I didn't have the money. So anyhow, he stopped paying. And so I sat down and came up with the things I wished I had had and the things I wished I had known when I was going through this long, horrible process. And um, it's what I did. To, it's how I channeled my anger at the situation. And one of the big pieces for me was, you know, we don't talk about what the, what it's like to go through the legal system when you're getting a divorce. Most people don't understand it. Fortunately, today there are far more books out there and there are articles and blog posts that will talk about it. But it's hard to get a handle on that. And it's my belief that if you understand that the legal process is... It's not about justice. That's a rude awakening for many, many people I work with. But what it is about, it's, it's really about how you play the game. Every time I got upset about the next, you know, the millionth time I was being dragged into court, my lawyer would look at me and say, Sharon, when are you going to get it? The system is not about justice. It's about how you play the game, and you need to play the game the way it needs to be played. So that is a lesson I try to pass on to people. Um, because, again, in uh, our programs, we, we bring in a judge twice a year, and he has said, my role is not to punish your spouse. The law does not let me do that. My role is to just divide what you have. So my belief is if both people who are going through this divorce understand there are laws and what they're going to get is what they agree to give each other, and if they can't agree on issues, they are going to end up having to have attorneys fight for them, which is going to cost them a lot of money. And if they still can't settle it, they're going to end up in court, which is going to cost them a boatload of money. My whole thought was, if people understand how it goes, what they're entitled to, you know, hopefully they could be smarter about it. I I had watched divorce court one time home on a snow day, and they flashed a statistic that said, People going through divorce, each side loses 75% of their assets. I sat there like, oh, my God. And and then I figured out, you know, pretty much things get split in half should you end up in court. Um, So, okay, that's 50% each. What's that other 25% each? That's what you spend on your attorneys and ratcheting up the legal bill. And what causes people to do that? Emotions, anger, wanting retaliation, you know, spending the money just because they want to be right. And what people don't do and what I try to teach is, you know, if you if you go out and buy something and you invest in something, you think about what's my return on investment going to be? Um, is that product worth what I'm going to pay for it? Well, people don't think that way when it comes to families and when it comes to dealing with divorce. Um, it's, it's your family. It's your kids. It's what you own. And you don't sit down and say, if I'm going to spend $10,000 to fight for that painting, and I could go, you know, is it worth it? Um, or would it be smarter to go out and buy a painting for only $1,000 maybe? Or, you know, we, we don't think that way because you could spend that money to 10000 and still not end up with that painting. So one thing people don't really keep in mind is you're hiring your attorney, you're hiring whatever experts you're going to need to help you get through your situation, and they're working for you. And sure, they are experts, they know their field, but 
you still are the one paying the bill. You know what's important to you. And you can decide, okay, I'm going to go and have a costly legal battle. Or you can decide, wait a minute, my spouse and I can agree on 90% of what our issues are. Why don't we take to mediation this piece we're not agreeing on? Um, so I think, you know, we want, especially when you've left a bad marriage, you might want your day in court. You might want to show the judge what a horrible person, you know, your spouse was. But that doesn't get you anything. All it does is empty your pockets. And so I think, you know, we, we don't understand that. We, you know, we, we grow to school when we're young. It's about justice. It's about fairness. But the courts aren't about that. It's about who's got the money to keep the battle going. Okay. And it's if lawyers see, there are many, many good lawyers out there, but okay. there are also lawyers out there. If they see there's a good deal of family money there, um, they want to ratchet up a battle because you can afford to pay for it. Well, when it's gone and you pay that money, it's your kids. It's gone. The, it's kid, the lawyers have the money and the family doesn't. <laughs> Exactly. And I find that very upsetting. I I just, when, you know, I've thought always, you know, I wish when I went through what I went through that there was someone overseeing this process who was looking and saying, wait, this woman has been taken to court like 30 times now. Wait a minute, something's wrong. And each time she has not been found at fault. Nobody was doing that. You get a different lawyer, yeah, a well. different, excuse me, judge each time. They may not look through the file. We're going to have to bring this conversation to a close, and I don't want to do that without reminding our listeners that they can go to brilliantexits.com. There are a lot of really useful, educational, free materials there, and who knows, you might want to... Go to one of the educational programs and learn a little more from Sharon Zarosny. Thank you for joining us this week on Family Matters. Please tune in for another edition featuring host Dr. Virginia Cullen next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be kind, heal, and grow. Grow.